Greetings and welcome to Shnaim Mikra, the series sponsored by the Orthodox Union hosted here at OU.org, in which in each podcast we examine, study, and analyze one of the aliyot of the current week's parasha. My name is Yitzchak Shalom, and I'm privileged to be studying parashat Bechukotai, the finale of Sefer Vayikra, with you this week through this wonderful medium. And we are now in the fourth aliyah, beginning with the final chapter of Sefer Vayikra, Parakhavzayin in which we have a new and final dibra or utterance of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the Sefer by the Bar Adonai El Moshe Lemor. Of course, it's unclear whether or not this dibur is happening as the beginning of Sefer Vayikra indicated in Ohel Moed, or it's happening as we had at the beginning of Parshat Bahar, Behar Sinai. Uh, we will read it as being part of Ohel Moed because of the, um, because of the summary pasuk that we had at the end of the Tochacha in the previous Aliyah, uh, but the last pasuk in our parak may militate against that. In any case, by the Ber Adonai El Moshe Lemor, the Ber Bnei Yisrael v'Yemarta Alehem, Ish ki yafli neder be'erkechan nefashot Adonai. Now, what does this mean? If a person should yafli, lahafli normally would be to do something wondrous, but here, what it clearly means is to explicitly express, and this introduces us to the world of hafla'a a word used several times in the Gemara, and the Rambam named the Sefer devoted to oaths and vows, etc. Sefer Hafla'a, based on this, if a person is mafli neder, he takes a neder. Now, there's two kinds of nedarim, the famous Ramban at the beginning of Parshat Matot. There are two kinds of vows. There's a vow of abstinence and a vow of commitment. This is a vow of commitment. Be'erkecha, meaning it has to do with values, meaning the values of people's lives, and it's a neder that he takes to give to God. How does that work? So here we go. We have an entire system that tells us that if a person should say, I am vowing to give the value of this person to the temple, to the mikdash, then here is the scale by which it goes. It's an objective scale, and it does not matter on a particular person's talents, cognitive abilities, or health. It's a male. In from 20 to 60, which are the military years. The value is 50 shekel of, of uh, silver using shekel hakodesh, using that standard. If it's a woman, then the value is 30. In other words, three-fifths. Now notice what happens. If it's from five years to 20 years, it's 20 for a boy. For a girl, it's ten, which means it's now one half. The, the uh, disparity is greater. If it's the, bo- the child who you're devoting their money, dedicating their value to the mikdash, is anywhere from a month until five years. It's five. For a girl, it's three. Keeping the same pattern as we had earlier, fifty to thirty. Now it's five to three. But if it's above 60, now notice we don't go below a month because generally we regard human beings as being sort of questionably there until a month, meaning that their sustenance and their uh, existence is somewhat in the balance until they've proven themselves by living for a month. Therefore, God commands us that we redeem the firstborn after a month. In the case of an older person, above 60, it's 15 for a male and 10 
for a female, which of course is two-thirds, um, which uh, <coughs> of course means that the disparity there is a little bit less. But let's say that the person donating the money, not the object of the money, but the person donating the money is too poor to pay this value, then you put him in front of the Kohen, and the Kohen then values him. What does he value? He doesn't value the object, he value, meaning the person you said I'm going to give his value, but rather you value the donor. And the Kohen then estimates the value based on what this uh, donor is able to give, and that's what he has to give. Now notice, the word Kohen shows up three times here. Um, Keep account of that. Now we're not done. The first, um, the first uh, thing that we talk about in this piece is donating the value of a person. And you're saying, Erech Ploni Alai. So depending on gender and age, there's a set value. There is a different category in halacha, which is damim. If you say demei ploni alai, then it really depends on that particular person. And then we say, what would that person fetch in the slave market? How would they would figure that today is a different question. The next piece is, So if you have an animal that you want to give as an offering, So anything you give is kodesh, is holy, meaning... You're not allowed to swap it, which means if you dedicated an animal, you can't then turn around and say, you know what, I found a different animal, even a better animal, as we'll see. You're not allowed to swap him, a good one for a bad one, or even a good, bad one for a good one. And if you try to do that, then both of them are holy. Now, this raises two fascinating areas in halacha, both dealt with in the beginning of Masachat Tumurat. One of them is whether the, when the Torah prohibits doing something which involves speech and you violate it, can you be held culpable? Generally we say, except for the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda, if there is a violation which does not involve action, which merely involves speech, there is no um, culpability, meaning there is no consequence in court. You can't get makot for it. However, this is the exception, uh, because the Torah uh, says that you uh, that you are responsible for it. Uh, Meimir is one of the two exceptions, Meimir Gadif. And the second thing here is, uh, when you do something the Torah said not to do, is it an efficacious act? So, for instance, if the Torah says that a Kohen may not marry an, uh, a Grusha, may not marry a divorcee, if he gives her Kiddushin, is it a valid marriage? And that is a discussion in of itself, and this seems to be one of the arguments for saying that it is, because the Torah said you can't swap them, and if you go ahead and swap them, they're both Kodesh, meaning you are not effective in, re- in re- relinquishing the sanctity from the first animal, but the second one that you tried to put in its place is now holy also. You certainly gained nothing, and you lost. The assumption here is that somebody dedicates an animal, and they have second thoughts, so they find a much cheaper, inferior animal and say, oh, I'll give it in its place, and the answer is no. Now the one that you tried to excuse from sanctity and keep for yourself is still holy. And the new one is also holy. And indeed you are just a loser all around. Now, uh, so let's say that a person takes a donkey or a horse. That you cannot give as a korban. 
and the person dedicates it. So what happens if a person dedicates a lamb? So you bring the lamb, and you're not allowed to switch it, and it has what we call kedushat haguf, sanctity of its body. But let's say that you have a donkey or a horse or a zebra or a pig or something else that can't be brought on the altar. You bring the animal in front of the kohen. There's your fourth kohen. There's five. There's six. So now it's three more mentions of kohen. And the kohen estimates the value of the animal. And its estimation is, is, uh, is what it is. Meaning, now the, uh, the donor gave, I'll say, a horse to the Beit HaMikdash. Beit HaMikdash can't put it on the altar. So we estimate the value of it. One option you have is for you to buy your horse back, to redeem it. But what you have to do is you have to add a fifth. So let's say that the animal was worth $1,000. You want to get it back, you have to pay $1,250. The reason I say $1,250, not $1,200, is because the chomish is what we call chomish milavar, which means in the aggregate of the total payment, one-fifth is the fine and four-fifths is the principal. So, this is when you redeem what we refer to as Kodshed Kabayit, or something that has Kudushat Damim, which means you sanctified it, and what you gave was really the value of something to the Beit HaMikdash, not the body, because the body can't be used. The only thing you can give where it has Kudushat HaGuf, or Kudushat Mizbeach, is an animal that can be put on the altar. Um... Now, what if you sanctify your house and dedicate it? Then what do you do? Same thing. There's coin number seven. There's number eight. So whatever the Kohen defines, that's what it comes out to. And now, let's say the person redeems his house. Same thing as we had before. And again, then what he does is he adds one-fifth, and the house then becomes his. And that is the end of this Aliyah. We will pick it up in the next Aliyah, continuing to look at issues of Kodshe Berakabayit, and <clears throat> how they are redeemed and what has to be added. In the meantime, but he should have a wonderful day.